0: The views and opinions expressed in Cold and Missing are exclusively those of the hosts. All parties mentioned are considered innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Cold and Missing also contains adult themes and languages and is intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, everyone.
1: Welcome back.
0: I'm your host, Allie McLaughlin-Solkowski.
1: And I'm your co-host, Eli Solkowski.
0: And this is Cold and Missing, where we cover cold cases.
1: And missing person cases.
0: So just at the top here, I wanted to give a little thank you to one of our listeners, Sherry. She donated to our Buy Us a Coffee this week. And I just wanted to say thank you and how much we appreciate it. And I hope you're still listening.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Those are such a great surprise when they come through and really they do help us sustain the, the podcast and continue to be able to do this to like, you know, afford the platform that we put this on and that it means a lot. It means a lot.
0: Oh yeah. It means it, it means the world and it's such an honor to be a part of your week. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And I think with that, we should just get right into it, huh?
1: Yeah. Um, Uh, We are on a cold case this week?
0: Cold case, yeah.
1: Alrighty, um, let's get started.
0: So today I have for you a cold case and just as a content warning at the top, this case does involve some animals, but there's no harm that comes to the animals. I won't be talking about anything like that. So I just wanna give our listeners a warning at the top. Today, we are going to be covering The Cold Case of Shirley McAvoy, and this takes place in August of 1990 in Pittsfield, Maine. But first, a little bit about Shirley. Shirley was 32 years old in 1990. She was born January 4, 1958, and she would be 65 years old today. She was recently separated from her husband, Brian McAvoy, and the two were going through an official divorce hearing. Those close to her say Shirley was going through a season of depression, not only from her upcoming divorce, but her soon-to-be ex-husband had also maintained custody of their two daughters. Her neighbor, Dennis York, says, quote, Her children were all she would talk about. That was her whole life, end quote. Family and friends say that Shirley was outgoing and friendly. She volunteered at one of her daughter's schools, and on hot summer days, she would take neighborhood kids to a swimming pool. Dennis York says, quote, she was very good to all of the children on the street, End quote. Shirley had recently begun dating a new guy in August of 1990. And now a timeline of events. So on Thursday, August 9th, 1990, Shirley was last seen alive at her mobile home located on Berry Road in Pittsfield, Maine. Her friend invites Shirley to a wedding later that month before leaving. The next day, Friday, August 10th, Shirley is supposed to appear in court as part of the custody hearing in her and her husband's upcoming divorce, but she fails to show up. Later that day, she was expected at her daughter's birthday party, but she also doesn't show up, which everyone notes as very odd and out of character for her. That same day, Shirley's vehicle is involved in a car accident on the Southeast Expressway in Boston, Massachusetts. The driver of the vehicle is not Shirley, but a tall, slender, white guy with light-colored hair. He's the only person inside the car. He gets out and hands the other driver an insurance card with Brian McAvoy's name on it. The driver of Shirley's vehicle says, quote, I'm never going to drive in Boston again, end quote. The two agree to pull off of the road up ahead to get out of the flow of traffic, but the man driving Shirley's red two-door 1990 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme keeps driving. Brian is ultimately notified of the accident, and he's unable to get in contact with Shirley. On August 28, 1990, so this has been a few weeks since Shirley was last seen, Brian McAvoy reports Shirley missing. Her friends thought she had just taken space to work through her recent separation. Throughout the month of September, police issue a statewide missing person bulletin for Shirley and reach out to family and friends to see if she's been in contact with anybody, but nobody has heard from her since August 9th. Police also are able to access Shirley's home as Brian gave them a key. Please do a quick glance around the home, but don't notice anything. On October 1st of 1990, this is almost two months now that Shirley has been missing, Brian McAvoy wanted to winterize her mobile home and clean out the fridge in case that she came back so that way her home was ready for her. Police Chief Spencer Harvey lets Brian, Brian's girlfriend, and Shirley's friend into the home and leaves. Shirley's friend, who asked to remain anonymous throughout this, noticed that a sofa was out of place and thought that there were bird marks under the sofa on the carpet. Once the sofa was moved, she knew that it was blood. She says, quote, I felt completely sick. I said, I know what that is. I know it's blood, end quote. They call police chief Harvey back, who sees the three foot by two foot blood stain, and he calls the state police to help search the rest of the home. Police will spend three days searching the home, and they'll also find that none of Shirley's clothing was missing. Curtains from the back of her home were moved to the front living room, and a new bedspread that Shirley had bought to match her curtains was missing. Also missing were her two dogs, Nikki and Max. Police did find evidence of a dog being locked in a room at the home, which friends say Shirley never did. Her friend says, quote, she worried about her dogs as much as her kids. Her dogs are just like her kids to her. They were her babies, end quote. On October 4th, 1990, police announced that Shirley's car is missing. They also say Brian McAvoy is cooperating with police and police are focused on creating a composite sketch of a man that had recently moved in with Shirley five days before she disappeared. Shirley had told a friend that he was a relative, but police are able to determine he was not a relative of Shirley's. On October 5th, 1990, police formally interview Brian McAvoy and police learn of the car accident in Boston. Police also confirm that the blood found in Shirley's home is human blood, and it will take months, but it is ultimately determined that it is Shirley's blood. On Tuesday, October 9th, police go to Boston to investigate the car accident. Police make a sketch of the man that was driving the car based off of the other driver's description and his passenger's description. Police say the sketch of the driver and the sketch of the man living with Shirley are similar. On November 9th, 1990, so this is just over three months that Shirley has been missing, police release a sketch of the suspect, the man living with Shirley, and they believe he was also driving her car in Boston. Maine State Police Spokesperson Stephen McCauslin says, quote, his name may be Jerry. He may have worked construction in the Millinocket area. He may have a 12-year-old daughter. He may have divorced a Massachusetts woman who was having twins, end quote. Police believe in 1990, this suspect, who we'll call Jerry, because that's what police believe his name might have been. Police believe Jerry was between 33 and 37 years old, had dirty blonde hair, blue eyes, was around five, ten, and 180 pounds. He had crooked front teeth and also had pock marks on his cheeks. and he spoke with a southern accent. Police also say that at this time they do not consider Brian McAvoy a suspect. Spokesperson Stephen McCortland says, quote, The bottom line is our leads that detectives have been pursuing very, very vigorously for the last month are down to a precious few. And now we need the public's help in putting a name to this face and this man who we think may be the clue for finding where Shirley McAvoy is, end quote. On Tuesday, November 20th, 1990, a deer hunter in Spotsylvania, Virginia, was standing on his truck bed not too far behind Todd's Tavern Market when he spotted what he thought was a white ball. After walking closer, he realized it was a human skull and called police. Police find the skeletal remains of Shirley McAvoy wrapped in a bedspread. Her feet had been bound with the cord and she was not buried. Police are able to quickly ID her from a denture with her last name on it and she was also wearing her class ring, but her official ID does come through dental records. The next day on November 21st, police combed the area where Shirley's body was found, looking for additional clues and the remains of her two dogs, but nothing is found. Dr. Marcelo Fiera conducts Shirley's autopsy. He says she was bound with a Venetian blind type cord and Maine police confirmed that the windows in her home were disturbed. Dr. Fiera also says that the bedspread she was wrapped in was covered in bodily fluid, but he wouldn't confirm if it was blood. Dr. Fiera isn't able to determine a cause of death, but does consult with an anthropologist. Later reports will say that Shirley was stabbed. Police believe that she was killed in her home in Maine and put in the trunk of her car and brought south to Virginia. They believe her body had been there since August. The next day, November 22nd, Police receive a report that Shirley's vehicle was pulled over in northern Florida on August 14th, so this would have been five days after Shirley was last seen alive. But police in Florida didn't write down any details about what was otherwise a routine traffic stop. And months later, they couldn't remember any details about the driver. On Saturday, January 26, 1991, Shirley's funeral is held and she is laid to rest at St. Joseph Cemetery. Her sister, Cecily Delcourt, says, quote, We're relieved we can put her to rest, but I'm angry that most likely he still has her car and is out joyriding. In March of 1991, so this is seven months since Shirley disappeared, police in Georgia arrest a man driving Shirley's car. The car had been repainted from red to gray and the VIN and license plate number were changed. Police don't believe the driver is a suspect, but hope he'll lead police back to Jerry. This ultimately is a bust though. The car had been stolen from a Holiday Inn in St. Augustine Beach and then repainted and it was recovered ultimately in Darien, Georgia. Police began processing the car and find blood in her vehicle. On August 26, 1991, so it's been over a year since Shirley was murdered, and almost a year since her body was found, but police have no new leads in her case. Maine State Police Spokesperson Stephen McCauslin says, quote, we've scoured her car, we've scoured her mobile home, and there was a great deal of evidence from the scene, but we still haven't been able to identify him, end quote. And the him he's referring to is the Jerry suspect. So, In November of 1995, this is over five years since Shirley's murder, Shirley's story appears on the Fox Network show, Real Stories of Highway Patrol. During the episode, it's revealed that as well as the bloodstain on the carpet that was found in her home, police used luminol in her home, and they found blood everywhere, on the walls, ceilings, and they even found it in the shower and sink drains. After the show airs, police receive around 40 tips, but there's no major break in the case. And then in August of 2004, this is 14 years, Shirley's family offer a $10,000 reward for information leading to the killer. Shirley's daughter, Christina Lancaster, who's married and has her own kids at this time, says, quote, we just want this guy behind bars and we want to know why he did it, end quote. And that is really the last update that I could find on Shirley McAvoy's case. If you know anything about what happened to Shirley McAvoy in August of 1990, who possibly the suspect Jerry is who was driving her car, or the whereabouts of her dogs, what happened to them, please call the Maine State Police Major Crime Unit at 207 Seven one four three, And the sources for the timeline come from the Banger Daily News, the Morning Centennial, Kennebec Journal, the Journal-Tribune, the Richmond Times-Dispatch, and the Boston Globe. So that is the case of Shirley McAvoy.
1: Man, I feel bad using this word, but the first thing I thought was, like, just gruesome. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, the word that, or not the word, but uh, pe- people usually describe, like, you know, vicious attacks like this as, like, like an animal had done it. But mm-hmm. I think that an animal would be ashamed of something like that. Mm-hmm. Because, like, no. Mm-hmm. Animals don't kill like that. Right. Not even, like, sharks. You know, like, yeah, it's vicious, but there's still a goal, which is food. hmm You know, anyway. It,
0: there's not overkill.
1: Yeah, like, you had a very, you had an intention what, what you were doing there, you know? hmm And I just, you know, I I opened up the picture when I was listening to you, and uh, she looked like someone, per, like, personal to me. Any Anyway and I, I just like yeah, like she just looks like a s not like a sweet lady you know and, and like how could you do that to, to someone mm-hmm. y- you know yeah this is honestly one of the more um I kn- I know you didn't do it you know like intentionally um, it, it's just like one of the more gruesome ones that we've covered. Unfortunately, so I think that's why it's I'm focusing on it is um, you had to tell us. It, it's part of the the story. The, it's fact it's like part of the facts.
0: So. Yeah. and just so our listeners know I, I don't want to um, tell gruesome facts or anything like that just for shock value, but I genuinely want to give them and present them just as facts because you never know what thing might have slipped up what somebody might have said what what that clue is that they said on a drunken night in a bar or that they cried out in their sleep like you just don't know what is going to be the thing that jogs a memory in someone's mind and says oh yes i i mm-hmm. know something about this case
1: yeah unfortunately in engaging with true crime in this way the facts that are hard to listen to hard to read hard to take in if they serve what the main goal is, which is finding the person, if, like, you know, uh, exploring those details, unfortunately, if they serve finding this person, then they need to be spoken about. But, you know, mm-hmm. here at Cold and Missing, what we do is talk about those things with respect and dignity and boundaries. Like, there's not... It's not necessary to to go into detail, but there is... um there's an importance in mentioning it, especially with this case. So, mm-hmm. just totally. to echo that, and for our listeners and continued listening, we we do our best to um, focus on what's most important.
0: Yeah, and you know, this case, there's a couple questions that come to my mind. Um,
1: the one weird guy. Well, I'm yeah, sorry. Jerry. What's Jerry, yeah, yeah.
0: Possibly named Jerry. Yeah,
1: I instantly, I, you couldn't hear me out there, but I go, oh, Jerry. I was like, I don't know why. I i like latched on to it mm-hmm. and pretty instantly. I was like, it's this guy. Yeah. The interaction's odd. Uh, maybe it's because, you know, again, if you're looking for it, it's there. Mm-hmm. But... I don't, I don't understand what's going on with that relationship. Um.
0: And that was a new relationship by all accounts. Um, he had moved in five days a week before she disappeared and ultimately was murdered. Um, and neighbor said he just showed up. He didn't have a car. He just showed up one day at her house and was there. Um and, you know, other friends saw him in
1: her house. So. Yeah, I'm like, was he someone that was like watching her for a period of time before he just, quote, showed up, you know, and had a plan or and was being. Yeah. Or whatever.
0: There's a couple different stories about where they possibly could have met. um... But it seems like the main one was kind of this like recreation. I think it was called like Fun Center or Fun Town or something like that. Um, was that they like met at this? like, What was your place.
1: imagination station in Celebration Station? Celebration was mine. Station. Yeah.
0: Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> Superior. Superior. Tall. <laughs> to, huh. ch- to Chuck.
1: To Chuckie Cheese.
0: To Charles E Cheese. Yes.
1: Charles E Cheese. Um. <laughs> anyway.
0: But yeah, so there's a couple different mentions, but it seems likely that that was where they met, um, possibly in July, about a month before she went missing. But again, it seems like he told different people different things in her life about where he was from, where his family was from.
1: Yeah, like a lot of lies that even if they said like, well, he told me this, he told me this, there's no... Real origin, anyway,
0: right? And really vague. They just bought
1: him time, yeah. Yeah. For whatever he was doing.
0: And people said he didn't offer anything. It's like they really had. He wasn't friendly, you know. He wasn't talkative to people. They really kind of had to pry yeah, on him. Yeah, he's like to get um, that.
1: what's what's it called? Like when someone just like blows into town, or I can't think of it. I guess it doesn't matter. A pat, a passer, or a passerby, or alone, like someone who d- isn't from the town, and mm-hmm. is just like. Blown, blown through. Do you, mm-hmm. know, you know, there's there's a specific word. Someone who's listening is like, it's this word. Oh, I know.
0: <laughs> yeah. But yeah,
1: just like someone random, like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? Like,
0: Right, he spoke with a southern accent, but yeah. was in Maine. So, yeah, lots of questions around Jerry, and ultimately he's never been identified. I also have questions just to, in the beginning, because it seems like police went into her home before she was officially reported missing or shortly thereafter the the timing seemed kind of off in the newspaper reports I was reading. I couldn't really pin that down, but police do enter it before October 1st when the blood stain is found. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm just wondering, did police just look really quickly, not see anything because the sofa had been moved over the blood stain? Did they just not notice it? They didn't know to, they wouldn't know her furniture layout so they wouldn't know the sofa had been moved. Was it just something quick like that? And that's why it was missed. But there was a lot of things going on in her home. You know, there was, the police say the windows were disturbed and kind of broken. The cords were missing, it appears, from her windows because her feet were bound with a window cord. Her bedspread was missing. None of her clothes were missing. And the curtains had been moved. But again, maybe police wouldn't have known that because they didn't know how her home was before she had disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, I just have questions in there about how the investigation started. Um, And Brian, you know, her soon-to-be ex-husband, cooperates with police and is ultimately ruled out as a suspect, according to them. But there does seem to be, like, a hitch in getting this figured out because, you know, why weren't the police alerted quicker that... The car had been in an accident because Brian had known that. Like, it there, there just seems like there was hiccups in getting this case going. And I,
1: yeah, and there's there had to have been evidence like everywhere initially,
0: unless it was cleaned up. And the only thing yeah, that the, remained and we was know the,
1: the luminol, right? Thing, but yet yeah, the in hearing the details, what that indi- what it indicates to me is that it was a f- it was frenzied like it wasn't i don't think it was planned mm-hmm. and even if it was it didn't go according to plan mm-hmm. it was messy yeah you know like with down to like what they used to you, you know tie her feet together like it's not like it was rope that was brought in like right. that was ripped was, from the wall or yeah. whatever you know it was all stuff
0: there but yeah yeah, um, but whoever did it obviously had time to clean because police had entered, and if there had been blood and everywhere— And knew the space.
1: Knew to, like, turn, grab that, pull it, you know.
0: Yeah. Um, but, you know, if police initially had walked in and seen blood everywhere, like, from jump, it would have been a homicide. But that person, whoever did it, had time to clean because when police initially entered, just on a cursory glance— There was nothing um, found, you know, out of the ordinary. You know, they didn't even see the blood stain on the carpet. It seems like that was the only evidence left to the eye that you could see. Um, Yeah, just really sad that her daughters had to grow up without her. Um, She was very close with her daughters, and that was something that tipped off her family and friends was that she wasn't in contact with them, and that's how they knew something was wrong yeah. pretty quickly.
1: Um, when when you started talking about that, um, I started thinking about you and, and your mom and how you when, you, when you both get to talking together, it's just like you're friends in your mother-daughter relationship. Yeah. And it sounded like that was very present mm-hmm. in their relationship and that like, I don't know, being a mother and being a parent was a big part of, she was and, totally um that she didn't get to have more of that
0: mm-hmm yeah and her kids didn't get to have more of that exactly yeah. yeah again if you know anything about what happened to Shirley McAvoy in August of 1990 please call the Maine state police major crime unit at two zero seven six two four seven one four three and If you aren't already, you can follow us on Instagram. We'll be posting pictures of Shirley and the composite sketch of Jerry. That'll be up there so you can see. Please share it so that way other people can see it and learn about Shirley's case if they don't already know about it. While you're in your podcast app getting ready to go to your next show, if you could just leave us a review, five stars, thumbs up, whatever the metric is in your favorite podcast app, we would really appreciate it. If you're an Apple podcast, if you could write us a review, oh, that would be amazing. Those reviews help others discover us and ultimately will help others find this case. So if you are passionate about, you know, getting these cases out there, about helping cold cases and missing people, writing a review is a really easy, free way to do that and help get our podcast out there to more people.
1: One more update that we have is... A few um, exciting things have been happening for cold and missing and our presence in the world we uh, we landed on on a top 50 list mm-hmm. of um, could you remind me of the title of the article again
0: yeah we were on a top 50 list for the best missing people podcast to listen to in 2023 we were yeah. number 29 number
1: 29 and so that's exciting. because of you all yeah that's that. it's literally because you guys are listening yeah and that's it's amazing the people that we we saw a comment from someone the other day that said this was this is my cousin mm-hmm. they this is my cousin thank you Thank you for, like, doing this. And, like, that's it, man. Like, that's yeah. why we're doing it. And to see our name on that list, like, you know that you can multiply that, that number 29 by, like, 100 or 200 or 300. And that's how many people, like, have maybe listened to an episode. Mm-hmm. And it's so – it's amazing.
0: Yeah, it's such an honor to be a part of your week, to be in your ear at all. What an honor.
1: Allie was also interviewed for Canvas Rebel, and it was an article titled Meet Allie McLaughlin-Solkowski.
0: Yeah, it was. I just kind of got to introduce myself and the podcast and kind of what we're all about here. If you want to read it, if you're interested in that, the link is in our bio in Instagram. So if you're not following us there, ooh, you're missing out on some exciting things. So follow us there and get all the updates on not only Missing people cases, cold cases, as those updates come through, but also just about the podcast in general. So that's all over there. But that's all I have. Thanks for hanging in there if you're still listening. Appreciate you. I hope you have a great week and stay safe, y'all.
1: Stay safe, y'all.